listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. Coming to you right across Australia from Hobart, Tasmania. And today we have David Maxwell from Launceston joining us as well. Welcome, David. Hi, Jason. It's good to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. And we've got something special happening today, David. For the first time on air today, we're going to just hear from Tabitha Zachariah. She's going to be joining us soon as a uh, second host. So good morning and uh, welcome, Tabitha. Thank you, Jason. Um, Thank you for having me in the studio. Yeah, it's going to be good to have you helping out. It's uh, it's been a big job um, doing this every day for the last nine so weeks. So uh, good to have some help. And Tabitha, just uh, tell us where have you come from? You're in Tassie, but where where did you move from? Um, so Jason, I moved from Kenya. Um, That is my home country, and Kenya is in East Africa. Um, I moved to Tasmania in March 2019 for studies, which I have completed now. Yeah, awesome. So we're going to have uh, Tabitha on the radio hopefully a few times a week, and uh, uh, it'll be uh, good to have someone else helping out. So, so yeah, David, um, just before we get on, I'll let our listeners know our show number, 0488880891. That's our number for this Tassie Encounters show. And you can text us uh, on that number. You can ask questions, uh, and you can take advantage of our offers. And we do have an offer that we'll give you later in the program. Now, David, last time I remember we talked about scuba diving and you talked about, I think, diving at night. Yes, that was my best dive. It was fantastic. Diving around a a ship, an old Mm. shipwreck. Um, So uh, that was your best dive. What what was your worst dive? Oh, it's hard to pull out a, a worst dive because I've had a few pretty dodgy ones. But the one that comes to mind the most would be uh, when it was Western Australia, we'd get on a boat occasionally. I, I didn't have too many dive buddies in, in the time that I was uh, over there towards the end of my time. And so if I wanted to go diving, I had to get on one of the boats that were chartered uh, with, with a dive master and all of that. So I went on this dive one day, and it was very, very windy as it gets in Western Australia, sometimes around Perth, uh, Fremantle, that area. And this windy, windy day, they were contemplating, should they cancel it? That's how windy it was. And in the end, they said, no, we'll we'll go out. We'll go out. Well, I'd almost got sick going out, and I don't usually get sick on boats. So it was pretty rough. And we get out there, we we anchored the boat, uh, and then everyone jumps off in their buddies. I found out as I I was getting paired up with someone, this is the first dive this guy had done in the open water by himself in Australia. And he was from England. And we got in the water, and we did all our checks and everything, and I didn't realise until afterward how green this person was. And so we went, we started going down, we descended to the bottom. I looked around, he was nowhere to be seen. So I looked around for a minute as they tell us to do and then come back up. And here he is still on the surface. He, he'd come back up. He, he was having trouble adjusting his weight and he was just panicking a little bit. So in the end he says, no, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I have to go back to the boat. So we took him back to the boat. And I must have looked like I'd been doing it for a while. The dive master said, do you want to come in or do you want to go and follow the others? And I said, well, do you know where they are? They watch the bobbles and they say, oh, yes, yes, we know where they are. They're just in front of the boat about 50 metres. So down I went, went um, to the bottom, followed the, 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 the direction of the boat, nowhere to be seen. Couldn't find anyone. I swam around for about... 
10, 15 minutes trying to find people and couldn't find them. So I had a, had a bit of a look around and thought, better pop up and see where everyone is. And mm. uh, I popped up after about 20 minutes and I could see people getting on the boat. And I was oh, a long way from the boat. That's bad. Long way from bad. the boat. <laughs> and I thought, oh, all right, it's, it's easier if you're under the water to swim than on the top. So under I went and swam towards the boat. The distance I thought it was popped up and I'm about the same distance the other side uh. of the boat. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, the currents are fast today. <laughs> so here I could see everyone on the boat and getting dried off. And I thought, boy, this is not good. I hope they don't leave me behind. And I went down again and I swam back and come, popped back up and I was the other side of the boat. And I thought, this is crazy. So I just stayed on the top and paddled in the rough Got to the boat finally, and they said, oh, well, I'm glad you're on the boat. I said, what happened? And he says, well, look, I was watching the bubbles, and the minute you went down, the bubbles took a hard left, and so oh, there was the no way I was ever going to find them. They yeah. took a turn. Uh, right. Okay. So I didn't really have much of a dive. It was a lot of swimming, um, not a very good dive. So, look, those things sometimes happen, and, and the lesson I learned out of that was when you're following someone, you really need to see them. Mm. Um, if, if, you, if you can't see them, then it's very hard to follow them. And mm. that might be something that we'll unpack as we go through today as well, mm. that um, sometimes, well, well, we don't see God. How do we follow him? Um, we'll unpack that as we go. Mm. Well, today's uh, title is to simply sheep. Um, mm. I'm, I'm interested as to why you called it uh, sheep, but I guess that will become clear as we as we get into the content of today. Yes, yes. Well, it, this kind of joins both the last program where we were looking at Psalm 23 and, and this program we're looking at God's amazing love demonstrated. Last week we looked through the eyes of Moses' life and how God's love is demonstrated or was demonstrated through the way God dealt with Moses and, and, and his frustration. So today's is called Sheep. And what I want to start doing is by reading an interesting story in the book of uh, Numbers and then what we'll do is we'll just unpack that a little bit. Um, but let me pray first. Yeah. Let me pray first. Lord, we want to thank you that we're here and we have your word. Please speak to us as we read your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would one of you guys like to read uh, Numbers 21, 4 to 9 for me? Sure, I can read that. So Numbers 20, uh, 21, 4 to 9 says, Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and it sh shall be that that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole, and so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. 
Thanks, Jason. That's that's really good. Now, this is a very interesting story, and I'm going to come back after we've had a break, and, and I'm going to unpack this a little bit. I'm going to give you some history. I'm going to give you some context. But what I wanted to share just right now for a minute was Jesus refers to this story. Now, some people might not realize this, but it's in the passage, the section of the Bible that most people will remember from when they were young, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that John three sixteen section. Yeah. In that section, Jesus is speaking, I guess I guess you could almost say he's using this gospel passage for the first time. He's he's creating it. And he's speaking to a really wise guy. Um uh, well, we would call him a wise a wise guy today. Uh, but he, he's speaking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus is one of the religious elite and he's a bit worried that the other elite will will see him talking to Jesus and they'll kick him out of the group. So he comes to Jesus at night time and, and he comes and he has this discussion, this spiritual deep discussion with Jesus. And Jesus gives a very, very simple message to him where he says, as Moses, this is John three fourteen. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And then he goes on with those famous verses that whoever believes should not perish. We want to draw this link in a later program of, mm-hmm. of how do these two passages link together. But the amazing thing is, as we looked at this pas- passage already, all they had to do was... Look. look, yeah. They just had to look, and we will un- unpack why that's the case. But the amazing thing here, I find, is that is a very simple way to salvation. That mm, is, and the whole John three sixteen seems very very simple, but we don't look into the depths of it. Well, after the break, we'll look in it a little bit deeper. Yeah. Um, it's interesting as we read that story. Just something that uh, comes to my mind, and and maybe uh, may be questioning on the minds of our listeners as well, was that um, it says here that the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit mm. the people, and many of the people of Israel died. Mm. Just wondering. Um, we won't answer it right now, but we'll ask the question of our listeners. And uh, you know, was that a fair thing for God to do? Okay, they, they were complaining, mm. but. Uh, then uh, these snakes came out and bit them and, and many of them died. So was yeah. that fair of God to uh, send those? And if you're listening today, send us your answer to that question. Text us in mm. on zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. We'd love to hear your answer on that one. Uh, we're going to go to a break and uh, Tabitha is going to introduce our song. So for our first song... Um it's called Redeem of Israel by Gentry. And um, I like the words of this song because they reflect on today's program. And I hope you enjoy. Redeemer of Israel, our only delight, on whom for a blessing we call. Shadow by day and our pillar by night. 
Redeemer of Israel, pretty dramatic sort of song, but uh, talked about that journey in the uh, in the desert of the Israelites. So, yeah, what did you think of that one, David? Yeah, that was good. Like you say, very dramatic, but yeah. yes, it does speak of those things. Yeah. Now, David, um, before the break, uh, we were looking at God's amazing love in mm. the res- in the context of the Israelites, and in this case, in the desert. Uh, in the uh, in the desert, as they were, I believe they were not too far from the promised land in terms of time. That's correct. So, what I want to first do is give some context to this story. Where they're at, the people of Israel have now, at this point, spent nearly forty years, or the best part of forty years, wandering around in the desert. They only took a couple of months to get to the promised land the first time, and when they sent in spies at God's direction, two of them brought back a good report wow this is a great land we can do it the other 10 brought back a report oh there's giants there's it's it's big cities it's it's terribly it's terribly hard we're not going to be able to do it and so the people listened to the 10 didn't listen to the two that happens a lot in our lives today even always listen to the bad reports but mm. here here they're at the point where god has said right right where well, you're not going to do it. you're not going to go you don't want to go in you're not going to go in and you're going to wander around till you all die off so they've wandered around now 
for 40 years. Mm. Most of that generation has died off, but there's still a few that haven't. Aaron's just recently died. So you can imagine the, the angst that's amongst the people. Now, remember, how did God speak to the people? He spoke to Moses. Moses spoke to Aaron. Aaron spoke to the people. So at this point, it would, it would appear that Moses has to speak directly to the people now. Mm. So there's a lot of angst going on. God has promised to take them into the land as an inheritance, um, but they're not yet there. They're not yet in. They're just right at the edge. Um, it would seem they, they face the Canaanites. They have a battle. Some of them are captured. Some of them, they eventually overcome the people and they're released. And at, from there they go on and they come near to the Red Sea. And as they come near to the Red Sea, the people become discouraged, as I heard you read. The word there can also be interpreted impatient. Mm. Now, I like that word because it sort of gives more of an understanding of what's going on. Perhaps they see the Red Sea and they, their minds are drawn back to all those years before. Perhaps there's still some of those rebels alive mm. and they might think, hmm, maybe God won't follow through on his promises to keep us out if we hurry up and go in. So they're impatient. They want to go in. I don't know. doesn't explain that. And, and of course, impatient. You know, they've been in the desert for 40 years. You can sort oh, of understand. Yes. <laughs> they want to get in there. Yeah, you sort of <laughs> understand that they uh, want to move on. Yes, yes, that's right. But either way, whatever, whatever's going on, they complain about God's, uh, Moses leading. Now, it's interesting they're not complaining about God's leading, and they're complaining about Moses leading and, and the food and constant shortage of water. Imagine 40 years eating the same bread. Mm. <laughs> Would you like to have the same thing every day for 40 years, Jason? We, we seem to like a variety in our diet. Um, we do. I, I've, I've we often do. wondered that that bread, though, must have been pretty good in order to sustain them. You know, like yeah, We have to have a, a range of different foods to get all our nutrition, but the fact that they... Uh, you know, God provided this food for them. It must have been actually really nutritious food. Must have been everything they needed. Well, it was called God, uh, bread from heaven. So, mm. yeah, amazing. So not long after the incident I mentioned in passing last week where Moses strikes the rock instead of speaking to it, emotions are really, really high. And perhaps there's a risk that these remaining rebels might infect the younger generation with their rebellion. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the mind of God. However, he sends a deadly test. There's not too many instances where God actually sends a punishment. Often he just removes his protection and what happens, happens. But here, he actually sends the poisonous serpents. Mm. So perhaps there was a, a real reason for that. And let's unpack that a little bit more. A snake in the Bible represents sin. Generally, from Genesis, we see this snake in the garden, in the tree. In Revelation, we see Satan referred to as a snake. We often see sin referred to as a snake. Both the good and the bad, it appears, were bitten. So people were dying. There was no cure. They're out in, they're out in the desert. They couldn't rush off to the hospital. I guess they didn't have the understanding that we have today of um, rest and elevation and pressure and all those things that we do for snake bites. Mm. These were poisonous snakes and there wasn't a cure. And so it's a desperate situation, desperate situation. There was nothing that people could do to be saved, but they recognize their sin. Perhaps they see that link between the sin and the symbol, the snake. Mm. But they recognise they've done something wrong, and so they go 
to Moses as the mediator and ask him to plead with God for help. They must have known, Jason, that God was able to help maybe all of those things he's done for them over those years, even in their rebellion, come rolling back to them. And they think, hey, God can help us. Moses can help us. Mm. And so God gives Moses a plan. And and it's a pretty simple plan in terms of really what they had to do. Yeah, there wasn't much they had to do. But this took time. And, and it's really interesting that God keeps using these two symbols that we talked about mm. last week, the snake and the pole. You know, these, these are really important in Egyptian um, um, theology, if you like. Mm. And those who remembered the Egyptian gods would recognize this, the snake and the pole. We'll talk about that more in another talk. But Moses goes away and he makes the bronze servant. Now, he doesn't just pop down to Bunnings, mm. you know, and, and, you know, oh, I'll get one of those lizards, you know, that, that someone's already made and I'll pop it on my staff. He's got to go away and make this. Mm. Imagine how much more desperate this situation is becoming. The people are, 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 are really fearful of dying now because people around them perhaps are being, being affected. Mm. He's got to go, he's got to heat up the bronze, he's got to shape it, he's got to put it on the pole, perhaps it was on his staff, and then he walks through the camp. And the people are told that if they believe that God will save them, they simply look at the symbols. There's no record of the people coming and helping Moses make it to get it done faster. I was going to ask that question, you know, whether, whether anybody anything. helped him, because I know um, when it came to the building of the the uh, sanctuary in the in the wilderness, they had master craftsmen. So they did. I was they wondering did. if anybody helped him. It doesn't appear so. Mm. It appears Moses makes the snake. God mm. tells him make a snake, and so he does. And that's going to take time. And they just have to look and be healed. Now, Im- imagine how desperate this was. Mm. As that time progresses, you know, how long do, would it take to do that? I don't know, quite a few hours, I'm sure. Mm. And, and the imagery shouldn't be missed here. People are falling prey to the real ser- serpents, and in effect, they're being killed by their own sin. Mm. Their rebellion is leading to their death. And unfortunately, perhaps even those who were not guilty were being bitten and they would certainly be the ones who would look and be saved. But deliverance was at hand. All they had to do was look and be saved. And many, many did in verse 9. It says there that whoever looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. You know, this, this draws my mind back to other examples where people have the opportunity to be saved and they don't take it. Mm. So obviously the ones that looked lived and those who were rebellious didn't want to look didn't didn't accept God's leading or didn't believe that they'd be healed. They think, oh, how stupid. How do I just look and be saved? And so they didn't look. In the 2001 World Trade Center attacks, uh, 9-11 as it's known in 2001, many people were killed after they began to descend the towers after the first attack. This is below the first attack. You know, you're in a building, you've seen something happen, debris falling, but you don't know really what's going on. There's an evacuation. They start leaving. As they're leaving, because the severity of the attack wasn't really understood by too many people, certainly below, the PA system advised them that they could leave if they wanted or they could go back to their workstations if they wanted. Mm. And some who ignored the instructions of others who were leaving, obviously from the higher floors closer to where the attack was, told them they had to leave. Some people ignored that instruction of those who knew better and went back to their desks, and many of those who went back to their desks actually ended up perishing in the later collapse. 
You know, it's really sad that people don't listen to instruction from people who know better. And the same thing's happening here. God knows better. God knows that all you have to do is look. Look. You know, there's the pole. Um, there's there's the, the object of salvation. And we're going to come back that, to that in another talk. And I want, you to, I want our listeners to remember the connection between Numbers and John, and we'll, we'll look at that deeper later. But the amazing thing was that all they had to do was look. And if they looked, they were going to live. It was a deadly choice. Mm. It is amazing. And there's, I guess there's many circumstances that uh, we have even today where you know the solutions are simple but people mm. refuse to to take that on and um, yeah 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 sometimes we just need to to look and now as we we go into this um song that uh i, I chose this one today it's called turn your eyes turn your eyes mm. upon jesus mm, and uh, that's really um the message that uh i get from this is that we are asked to look to Jesus, and uh, th- this song really talks about that. It's mm. simple. It's mm. it's not that hard to to turn our eyes towards Him. So yeah. let's have a listen, and uh, we'll we'll continue the story after the break. Great. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's a light for a look at the Savior. Life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strange within in the light of his glory. Death into life everlasting. He passed and we followed there. Over us in no more had dominion. For more than conquerors we are. And turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace, His grace and His glory, His Shall not fail you, he promised. Believe him, and all will be well. And go to a world that is dying, his perfect salvation to tell. And turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dear In the light of His glory 
Turn Your Eyes by Jaden Lavick. Beautiful song and uh, a beautiful message. Now, just re- a reminder for our listeners, we asked a question earlier. Do you think God was fair in sending the snakes to the Israelites? Please text us in your answer to that on 0488 880891. That's 0488 880891. And later in the program, we'll give you a code for our book, our offer today, and that's a book titled Amazing Grace by Elizabeth Talbot. Now, David, we've been speaking about the Israelites in the desert uh, with the snakes where they've been bitten and they're dying, Mm. and then Moses has uh, been instructed to build this a serpent, a bronze Ooh. serpent on a pole and hold it up and all they had to do was look at it and then they would be saved. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's in keeping with our discussion point, you know, the amazing love of God demonstrated when he sends something in to kill people. That doesn't sound very loving. Well, you know, what we've been sharing is that the the serpents are biting the people as they're on the borders of the promised land. Mm. And as we look at this a bit deeper, it shows me how God is true to his promises. So 40 years before, when God had wanted them to go into the land and he'd promised to, uh, to be with them, bring them, in, bring them into the land, they didn't want to go. So in effect, God says, all right then, I'll let you have it your way. You won't go in at all. But... Your children will. So he makes a promise to the next generation. Now, God is always true to his promises. He brought the people of that generation to the promised land. He wanted them to go in. He made uh, able uh, opportunity for them to go in, but they didn't want to go. Mm. So here, now that they're here again, almost ready to go in, there was obviously still some of those rebels that were alive and complaining. They hadn't died off yet. And it appears that they were threatening to de- derail God's promises to the children. Now, if God hadn't have removed them, then perhaps the children would have started believing those things as well. But here, God says, no, I've got to remove these people so that the the, the younger generation has the opportunity to go in. I can almost see God being impatient to let them go in. And so he's doing everything possible to fulfill his promises. And and clearly the rebels didn't want God's leading. You know, they, they see the things around them. So in effect, he's just giving them what they wanted. But at the same time, he remains faithful to the children, to those promises that he made. However, what I also see as amazing love demonstrated to these people, these sheep, if you like, is that throughout the 40 years, God still looks after them. Mm. still looks after them. So he didn't just, you know, they, okay, you're going back out in the desert, off you go, and in three days they die from a lack of water. No, he keeps them um, uh, filled with water. He keeps them supplied with food. He keeps them living and learning as they go to give the rebels even opportunity to be saved. And I believe through that experience, many of them must have been saved. I think too, uh, David, that we, we can relate that back to our life today, isn't it? That sometimes we go through challenging times, like our, our wilderness times, mm. uh, and uh, God allows us to go through those to uh, 
for us to learn some lessons and to to really understand the importance of uh, of following him. I think. Yeah, you're right. You know, sometimes I think we put God in a in a, in a tough spot. Mm. <laughs> we want His blessings. He's promised the blessings, but we don't want to do what it takes to actually receive the blessings. Yes. Yeah. And and what we do find is that God is patient, faithful, and loving, doing everything He possibly can mm. to save us and give us a better life. Mm. So as we continue on, they enter the land, God delivers the people, all those people in those places. And I want to look at next time how God's faithfulness was showed and love shown to those people because he lets the Israelites completely take over their land and in some places complete, almost completely destroy them. Now, that also is a question for a lot of people, but we'll look into that next time. Mm. So he allows the Israelites to go into this land and, and years pass. So I'm jumping forward many, many um, decades now. Years pass. They, they battle the enemies. They overcome them. All the years of Joshua who leads them in, because Moses doesn't get to do it, um, they are faithful to God. And then Joshua and all the other elders of that of that uh, era die off. And again, the people forget about God. And they go on an up and down journey following the good kings, the bad kings, and everything that happens along the way. Or the judges, sorry. <clears throat> they are plagued by wars and oppressions as God removes his his care for them and then comes back when they plead with him. God sends the judges, and during this time, in Judges 21, 25, um, the, the way they're behaving, as it records in the Bible, is everybody does what's right in their own eyes. Now, how many people do you know, if they did what was right, if our whole world today did what was right in our own eyes, where do you reckon we'd end up? Well, everybody has a different way of looking at the world, don't they? So uh, if we did what was right in our own eyes, not necessarily following God's way, we could end up in all sorts of mess. Exactly. If we didn't follow the road rules even, for example, mm. we would have chaos on the roads. Mm. You know, People would be doing whatever they want, driving at any speed, not, not paying attention to the red lights. People would get killed. Mm. <laughs> so you know, doing what's right in your own eyes is not necessarily the best way to go. Mm. But eventually they get sick of being different, You know, having a judge rather than a king, than all the other nations. And so they ask for a king. Now, in rejecting the judges and the prophets that God sent, they weren't actually rejecting those men. Even though they were saying, we don't want those guys, they were actually rejecting God's leadership. And that can be true of us today as well. But because of his promises, God's promises to Abram, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and so many others, God won't let them go. But he gives them what they ask for, mm. the king. Um, so initially, the king they get, King Saul. Some people have heard about him. And initially he was a good man. He, he looked to God, he obeyed him. But it's not long before the power goes to his head and he starts doing what he thinks is best. And that's so often the case, you know, um, even today, Jason, that when power goes to your head, or power, people get power, it goes to their head. You know, there's that saying that says power corrupts and ultimate power corrupts ultimately. Mm. And that can be true. But God's a gentleman, you know. He doesn't force himself on anyone. He's persistent, absolutely, but he doesn't force himself on anyone who doesn't want him. So after some tests... King Saul fails fails those tests, and God lets him go his way. And rather, God chooses for them another leader so that the people won't be without a good king. 
illustration I'd like to use here is my own my own experience that I've had uh, many many years ago I was tired of being a goody two-shoes you know for, when I grew up I joined the Air Force at 15 and that's a, a ripe young age to, to join the Air Force mm. I was an apprentice um, only just out of baptism for a year following God the best I knew and and I allowed that defense force attitude to um, and or, and all those peer pressures to beat it out of me one day I was driving now I'm talking about a time when I'm not following God and this shows me it showed me God's amazing love demonstrated because my mother was praying for us every single day she would pray for us she still does and uh, and God bless her for that but I was driving a car in the wet I had a very fast powerful v8 and I was driving a car in the wet. <clears throat> as I came over a hill, I was going much faster than I should have been in that speed zone. And as I came over the hill with a friend racing beside me, there was someone in my lane pulling out in the um, in the, the uh, road break, you know, between the four lanes. Mm. And as he was pulling out, the first this now this all happened. I have to tell you, in in split seconds. I saw him in my lane. My friend saw the same. He slowed down. I pulled into the left lane. The guy saw me coming in his lane and thought, I better get in the left lane. So now I'm heading in that direction. He's already changing lanes. And I, at, the, at that split moment, I remember seeing a bus, um, you know, where the buses pull in um, and pick people up, a little a bus stop. And in the space of about three cars, somehow in the wet, and I was not good at driving in the wet, I went into that bus area around him and I was back in front of him. Now, I don't remember actually turning the wheel and going into that bus lane. I wasn't drunk. I was perfectly sober. All I remember is seeing the bus lane and then next thing looking up and seeing him in my rearview mirror and I was in the left lane ahead of him. Mm. I don't know how it happened. And, And all I can tell you is that was a miracle. God took me around that car. And this showed me that God is good, even to those who aren't following him sometimes, as he did for the Israelites. He always makes good on his promises. So my mum was praying. God was honouring her prayers. He did it for Israel, and, he, and, and he, he did it for me. You know, he provided shoes, water, food for all of those Israelites. You can read that in Deuteronomy 29. So God chooses another king. He chooses young David to be king in place of Saul. Now, initially, as David did follow God, he's called a man after God's own heart. You can read that in 1 Samuel 13, 14. He is faithful. He's fully committed. His heart wants to follow God in all things. And so God says, I'm looking for a man after my own heart. And he chooses David. Mm. So, uh, yeah, in, in terms of your story, um, David, it's, uh, it just shows that, that, you know, God does look after us even, even when we're not following. And, and David was a man who, who did love God. Mm. But, you know, he went astray a few times, didn't he? Yeah, we'll talk about that after the break. But yeah. it sounds like God's getting the short end of the stick here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. But uh, nevertheless, he keeps talking after us. Um, yeah, we're going does. to go to a song, and I think uh, Tabitha chose this song. So let's uh, let's have Tabitha introduce it. What's our song, Tabitha? So for the next song, um, it's called "Lead Us Faithfully" by Matt and Josie Minikas, 
And this song sort of talks about the psalm, psalm of David. Um, I don't want to say much because I believe uh, David Maxwell is going to share a bit more about this song. But uh, David is one of the Bible characters who are, illustrates humility, um, surrender, mm. and repentance. So let's listen to the next song. Mm. Shout away. 
children of your care. So lead us faithfully where we should go, Lord. We know not the way, Lord. So lead us faithfully where we should go. Beautiful song by Matt and Josie Minicus, Lead Us Faithfully. Earlier in the program, we mentioned a book, Amazing Grace, by Elizabeth Talbot, and that's our giveaway for today. And you can text us in on 0488-880-891, and the code for that is AMAZING7. That's AMAZING, the word AMAZING, with the number 7, no spaces. Just text that in, AMAZING7, to 0488-880-891. And that book is a story of his plan of redemption. It's narrated from Genesis to Revelation and tells of his rescue plan carried out through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Beautiful book, and uh, we encourage you to text us in and uh, get that offer. Amazing 7 to 0488880891. Now, David, there's just a little bit more to go. Mm. What have you got left to share? Well, that song that you just had in the break, Lead Us Faithfully, it's important to follow God's leading, and, you know, He leads us faithfully. Uh, but it's whether or not we choose to follow him faithfully. And before the break, I shared that God called David a man after his own heart, and some might have questioned that statement. Uh, If you have a question about that, you could even send that in if you like. Because if some people have heard about the life of King David and some of the terrible things he did with Bathsheba and her husband, they would think that is not it doesn't sound to me like someone who has a heart of God, but God mentioned that statement when he was younger. And what we see with David is that something changes in David's life. So the people now have this courageous young man leading their nation. And if anyone wants to read my favorite story, and that's David and Goliath as he, he goes to fight the giant. And I think I've mentioned before that, yes, he took his he took his five stones and his sling and he was an excellent marksman with that, but he took his staff as well and the staff was representative of the Spirit of God. So as he fights that giant, he has the Spirit of God with him and he is victorious and he wins because he has God's Spirit with him. In verse 48, you know, I, 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 I picture, I visualize the scene as I went to the Valley of Elah in Israel and I looked at this vast open plain with about a two kilometers between the two hills that the the two opposing armies were up on those hills and they, they came down onto the plain and they were lined up either side of this creek. By the time I was there, it was just a dry creek bed, but perhaps there was water in it in his day and it was a bit uh, shallower. He goes down and he and he collects those stones. He still has his staff in his hand. He comes out, and as the giant sees him and starts making fun of him and making fun of the, his god, he is confident with such bold confidence in his trust and faithfulness that God has shown him in the past with looking after him, that he runs not just at Goliath, but the entire Philistine army that's 
behind him. And, and it, it, this boggles my thinking that what did he think he was going to do with five stones? Knock the giant down. And then how many people could he beat with the other four stones? It's amazing, isn't it? His faith must have been, you know, very Monstrous. strong. Yeah, very His strong. His faith was as, was bigger than Goliath. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how we go. So and, this is And bigger than the, the whole army as well. <laughs> the whole army, yes. Yeah. And and God is the one that gives him victory. That that whole army, when they see Goliath fall, they turn around, they drop the swords, they run for their lives. Um, because I'm sure that as the Israelites see what happens, the giants go on, hey, now we've got nothing stopping us. Mm. And the people realise if a little guy with a stick and some stones can do that, we're in trouble. And they run. So David becomes their king and they enjoy victory, this time of victory over their enemies, a time of prosperity. And it seems that God's promises to Abram uh, and those who follow were finally being realized. But David, as a king, as he gets older, he even allows he even allows himself to wander from God. It would seem he has an eye for the ladies, as we call it today. Mm. He ends up with six wives, many concubines, and the story of one of those is fairly well known by a lot of people. To get this woman, this uh, lady Bathsheba, he commits adultery. Then when he finds out she's fallen pregnant, he tries to trick her husband into covering it up, you know, so they'll think it was him. Um, when that fails, he gets the husband killed. He actually sends his letter of judgment <laughs> for no reason by his own hand to the commander of the army so that they'll fall back when they attack this uh, city and and this man will be killed so he basically murders this guy and then because it looks like an accident he does the honorable inverted commas thing and he takes this widow to look after her it's a shocking failure of this man after God's own heart. Mm. And he's certainly not acting godly when he does this. So what makes the difference between King Saul and King David? And I believe it's the state of his heart. When when King Saul is addressed for the, his wrongdoing, uh, he, he rebels even further. He gets proud and arrogant, and I should be able to do this. But when David is discovered, he is deeply repentant. He writes a psalm, I think it's... Um, I think it's Psalm uh, 53 or 51, something yeah, like that. Yeah. And, it, and it, he talks about his bones aching when he was having this guilt mm. and it was eating him away. And so the consequences of his sin um, in the future, even after he is forgiven and comes back to God, the consequences nearly tear his kingdom apart. He can't escape the consequences, mm. but he's forgiven. Such is God's amazing love, even amongst our human faults and failings. And speaking of these journeys, uh, in Psalm 78, remember we talked about Asaph many, many, many weeks ago now. He calls, Asaph calls God's people his sheep. And if you remember from our exploration of Psalms 23, perhaps this is most likely because people have very sheep-like attitudes. So God's amazing love is demonstrated to us again, this time through the sheep, the people that were God was leading all these times. God was patient with their failings. He's patient with ours. He was long-suffering with their personality failings and their sin. He's long-suffering with ours. God is persistent as he shaped their characters, and he's persistent with us as well. And God was just in dealing out punishment to the rebels while remaining faithful to those who remain faithful to him. And it's the same for us as well. 
It's amazing, isn't it? I don't think uh, we as humans have that level of patience that God shows towards us. I know I certainly don't. Because the way of God has dealt with those rebellious people, feeding, clothing, protecting them so many times even in their rebellion and the way that God looked after me and my mum was praying about it, I can have confidence that he'll be gracious and patient with my faults because of his unfailing, amazing love that's demonstrated. Mm. David, thank you for your program and uh, for exploring this passage. It's um, it's uh, interesting just to see how God works in different situations, mm. and uh, and but mm. always still looking after us, nevertheless. And sometimes mm. we we do experience things that are hard for us to understand why they're happening, but mm. but uh, He does come through in the end. Yep. Now, uh, I just remind our listeners of our offer today. Um, Amazing 7 is the code for the book, Amazing Grace, by Elizabeth Talbot. You can text Amazing 7 into 0488 David, what have you got for us next week? So next week we're going to look a little bit uh, deeper into this topic of God's amazing love demonstrated and we're going to look at the people around the Israelites at the time, those nations who weren't his people and how God's amazing love is demonstrated through how he dealt with them. And Monday, what have we got Monday, Tabitha? Well, um, I want to thank, first of all, I want to thank our listeners for tuning in to the program and... um, uh, for next Monday, we have David Leo uh, with a fast Sabbath, and I hope you'll be joining us for that. Yeah. We'll talk to you next uh, Friday, David, and we'll uh, have David Leo Monday. Um, we hope our listeners can join us. Glad to be with you both. Where are you now when darkness seems to end? Yeah.